0: Well, last week we began this series called The Journey, and we uh, this is a way of review for a few minutes in case you weren't here last week. We said life is a journey, and uh, while God is ultimately concerned about our final destination, He also is concerned about the journey that we're on, and He wants to bring joy and fulfillment to us in the midst of our journey. And we also said, you know, what's even better than that is He wants to join us on the journey. When I travel, I have found there are some common denominators that make for a really good trip. I pointed some of these out last week. I, I said that what makes a really good trip is um, if I know where I'm going, going. I have clear directions, I know how to get there. Another thing that I know that makes for a good trip is, is if I have a travel companion and we have really good conversation while we're making the trip. Another thing that makes for a good trip is that I, I am not in a hurry. I take time to rest along the way. And one other thing, I pack light. I don't haul along a whole bunch of stuff that I don't really need. Those same principles can make for a good journey through life. And so we're spending these five weeks looking at some things in the Bible, some tools and some habits that God gives us that can help us discover those principles in our life that make for a good journey on the path of life. We began last week by talking about that first principle. How do I have clear direction? How do I know where I'm going? And we talked about God has given us His own version of a GPS for our journey through life. It's called the Bible. And I told you last week that I have just one very simple goal for the first two weeks of this series. And that simple goal is just to get you to read your Bible. I mean, that's it. I just want to get you to read your Bible on a regular basis. Because I understand and I want you to discover the value and the power of that book called the Bible for our journey through life. We have this tendency, this temptation, that we pray a lot to God, but when we pray, we seem to always be asking Him to do something for us. And we asked last week, what if God would be more interested in saying something to us? What if God is far more interested in saying something to us than He is in doing something for me. What if God's primary way of communicating with me is through the Bible? And what if God has something through the Bible that He directly wants to say to me or to you? And you remember last week we looked in Psalm 119 and King David said that is exactly how he sees it. That God has something He wants to speak directly to us. In fact, we said last week, if you read through Psalm 119, there are an incredible number of benefits that are listed there that the Bible has for me if I'll take time to read it. In fact, I challenged you to begin last week reading through Psalm 119. How many of you uh, took me up on that and began reading through that great chapter in the Bible? Well, that's great. And I'm sure you began to discover some of the wonderful benefits that are there. I don't know if you ever watch uh, Joel Osteen on TV. I'll be honest, he's not necessarily one of my favorite communicators. But if you've ever watched him on TV, he leads a church in, uh, I think, in Houston and um, or in Texas somewhere. And um, at the beginning, every time he gets up to do his talk, he has this thing they do with their Bibles. He has everybody lift their Bible and they go through this pledge. This is my Bible. I am what I what it says I am. And they go through a whole bunch of never this and never that. And And it's a good thing because they're exalting the value of this book for our lives. I have my own pledge I thought I would do today. Remember last week I challenged you to, to bring your Bibles. And uh, in fact, I want to say the same thing to you again today. If you don't have a Bible and you came here today, I want to encourage you as you leave today on the tables as you exit, there are some Bibles. Please pick one of those up, write your name in it, make it your Bible. And when you come here to Crosspoint, bring it with you so that you can study right from your Bible as we look at passages of Scripture. So if you brought your Bible today, here, I want you to lift it up with me. We have our own pledge I want us to do, okay? Very good. So good to see so many of you brought them. That's awesome. Okay, say this with me. This is my Bible. I brought it today. Good, that's excellent. Since you brought your Bibles, if you want to open to Luke chapter 10. Luke is in the New Testament of your Bible, right towards the beginning of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke... And then the book of John. Luke is a book that tells the story of Jesus' life. And I want to look at an incident in his life today. Luke chapter 10, let me give a little background. Jesus and his closest followers, his disciples, were making a journey from Jericho to Jerusalem. And as they were on this journey, they came to a small town just about two miles outside of Jerusalem called Bethany. And they go to visit in the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Now, Lazarus isn't mentioned, but we know... It's his home as well from another story that takes place in Jesus' life. In fact, if you grew up in the church at all, this is probably one of those stories that you remember. The story of Lazarus. You remember he, he died and they put him in a tomb and Lazarus was a close friend of Jesus. And Jesus came to the tomb one day and it's the shortest verse in the Bible where it says Jesus wept. And we get this idea of the closeness of their relationship. And Jesus actually has the the stone rolled away from the tomb and He calls into the tomb for Lazarus to come forth and Lazarus comes back from the dead. This is the same Mary and Martha and Lazarus that Jesus goes to visit in this incident. So let's see what happens here. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. As Jesus and His disciples were on their way from Jericho to Jerusalem, He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to Him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what He said. But Martha was distracted by all of the preparations that had to be made. She's busy getting everything ready. She came to Him and asked, Lord, don't You care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Now, both of these sisters, I think, truly loved Jesus. But they had a different way of reacting when Jesus actually gets there. Now I can just see them before Jesus arrives and I assume from this that they somehow knew that Jesus was coming. And so I I picture them hurrying around the house. You, You know what it's like before you have guests trying to get everything straightened up so that it looks nice and everything is in its place and they're making a meal and suddenly there's Jesus coming up the path. And He steps into the door of their home and maybe He throws open His arms to embrace both of these friends of His. And you know what Mary does? Mary stops all activity and she sits down at the feet of Jesus to listen. Now, sitting at His feet, that says a lot in their culture. It was the habit of someone in that culture that if you you were willing to to humble yourself in a sense and learn from somebody, if you recognized somebody as a teacher, somebody that could offer something into your life, you would sit at their feet. People would sit at the feet of a rabbi so that He could teach them. People would sit at the the feet of a master of some kind so they could learn from Him. And so Mary, by her very action, sits at the feet of Jesus and says to Him, I want You to teach Me, Jesus. Now, Martha, on the other hand, she is quite busy. You know, She is in the kitchen banging the pots together, stirring the gravy, baking the bread. Luke says she is distracted by all of the activity. That word distracted could be translated pulled around or yanked about. I mean, you get the idea, right? Can you picture in your life how distractions, how life just kind of pulls us from one thing to another? That's, that's Martha. She is distracted by all of this. She's being pulled from one thing to another. And life has a way of distracting us. It distracts us from being able sometimes to hear what God wants to say to us. Life can distract us from having time to, to read the Bible, to sit at Jesus' feet and learn from Him. Now, Martha gets frustrated. Martha gets frustrated to the point that she goes back into the other room and she says to Jesus, tell my sister that she's being lazy, that she's being selfish. Tell her to get up and help me get things ready. Now listen to Jesus' response, verse 41. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, If you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed, Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Jesus says Mary has chosen what is better. And what had Mary chosen? Mary had chosen to cultivate her relationship with Jesus. And Jesus says that relationship with Him, that relationship will never be taken away. Not in this life, not in eternity. She will always have that relationship. And Jesus says she's chosen to do what is better. Now, in saying that, he's not demeaning the other task. He's not saying to Martha those other tasks are bad. He's not suggesting that they shouldn't be done at some point. Jesus is saying Mary has chosen what is better because she has chosen to stop all that other activity temporarily, to sit at my feet, to cultivate her relationship with me. And there comes a time in all of our lives where we need to say no to the other distractions and be willing to stop and sit at the feet of Jesus and cultivate our relationship with Him. Jesus says, there's nothing better we could do with our time. There's no better investment that we could make than to spend time sitting at His feet, reading the Bible, learning what He has to say to us. So today I want to offer to you three very simple suggestions about how we can pull ourselves away temporarily at least from all of the distractions of life and make sure that we spend some time doing what is better To cultivate our relationship with Jesus. Three helps along the way. Now these are not rocket science, okay? This is, last week was kind of the more motivational part. This week is very simple, very practical, nuts and bolts kind of stuff that I want to talk about in terms of reading your Bible. And today I want to talk about, you need a time, a place, and a plan. A time, a place, and a plan. First, a time. If you don't schedule it, it won't happen. Isn't that true in life? For most things, if you don't schedule it, it won't happen. And when it comes to reading your Bible, if you don't set aside a time and protect that time, the distractions of life will keep pulling you away to other things. And so the first step is to say, I am going to make this a priority. You have to decide. You have to decide that this is going to be a priority, that you're going to commit the time, that you're going to guard the time. You know what? Me telling you to do it isn't going to make it happen. Your spouse nagging you to do it isn't going to make it happen. It will only happen when you decide for yourself that this is a priority. That it is the better thing that I can do to set aside some time to sit at the feet of Jesus and cultivate our relationship by reading the Bible. Now, it doesn't matter when that time is. It can be first thing in the morning if that works for you. Or if over your lunch hour is a better time for you. Or last thing in the evening. It doesn't matter when, as much as the fact that you have carved some time out of your life, you have said to all the other distractions, nothing's going to interfere with this time block, I'm going to sit at the feet of Jesus and cultivate our relationship by reading the Bible. Um, I'm not sure I'm pronouncing his name correctly, but Ignis Paderewski was a world-renowned pianist, especially during the time when Poland was under the control of the communist and People ask him about his skills and his practice and all that kind of stuff. And he one day was talking about every day he spends three hours playing scales. And people are like, well, why don't you just take a day off once in a while? What's the big deal about three hours every single day? His response was this. He said, if I skip one day of scales, I notice it. If I skip two days of my scales, my coach will notice. If I skip three days, the world will notice. You know what, if I miss one day spending time with Jesus, I begin to notice it. If I skip two days, my wife and my children begin to notice it. If I skip three days spending time with Jesus and cultivating our relationship, the world around me begins to notice it. We need to set aside time. Secondly, we need to have a place. We need to have a place that we go to whether it's a room or a piece of furniture or in your car or a local coffee shop, but some place that you say, this is my place where I go to meet with Jesus and read from the Bible. Now, I have a friend named George that actually has a room in his house, kind of a den, but he has totally kind of set that, side, that room aside. He does almost nothing else in that room. He just has a, a simple chair in there and a lamp. And some things on the wall, and that is the place he goes to meet with God. He reads his Bible there, he writes in his journal, he prays there. And that's pretty much all he does in that room. He has set that side, set aside that place. When I was in college, I worked for the admissions office at the Bible college that I went to, and they trusted me, believe it or not, with a key to the building and to the office. And so early in the morning, before I'd go to breakfast, I would get up and go to the admissions office while I was in college, and that was my place. That's where I went every day to sit at the feet of Jesus and cultivate my relationship by reading my Bible. I probably have told you before. Um, since at least the boys have come along, we uh, own this blue chair, and that blue chair, no matter what room in our house it's been in, has been my place for meeting with God for several years. And actually, now it's in the living room, and it doesn't really match our other furniture, and it's starting to fall apart literally i've found a couple times pieces underneath the chair that have fallen off and so i'm going to have to get a new place to meet with god but that chair has been my spot i go to that chair every morning and sit at the feet of jesus and cultivate my relationship by reading the bible and whatever the place is for you you need to find a place you know maybe you love good coffee and so you could combine going to a a local coffee shop with with reading your Bible, do something that you love to do and combine that with spending time cultivating your relationship with Jesus. You know what? Spiritual maturity, becoming like Jesus, doesn't happen all at once. It happens in layers. It happens over time as a process. And that's why we need to spend time on a regular basis reading from our Bible, continuing in that process. You know what? I have not arrived yet. I mean, you ask anybody that spends extended periods of time with me and they'll probably tell you. I do things all the time. You know, I've done stuff this week that I look back and go, gosh, I wish I hadn't have said that or done that. I'm still in that process of growing to be like Jesus. And because I'm still in the process and I haven't arrived, I need to sit at His feet. I need to read the Bible and cultivate that relationship. A time, a place, and a plan. This book, the Bible, you may look at it and go, okay, great, I'd like to read it, but where would I start and how do I understand it? How do I how does it make sense? Let me give you some pointers on that. First, understand this book, the Bible, is actually a collection of books. It's a collection of ancient literature that was inspired by God, literature of a lot of different kinds. There are books of history in it, and there is poetry, and there are books of prophecy that predict future things that will happen. There are letters that were written to churches that are our instruction for our lives, And this book is a conglomeration of all of that. And I need to understand that. Also, then you may ask, well, okay, so if it's all these different books, where do I start and where do I begin? Well, let me offer you some ideas about plans. First, let me say, or answer the question, some of you may ask, well, Jeff, I go to the bookstore or I look on Amazon and there's all these different translations. Which one? Do I pick, I want something that I can understand, which one? And you know what, there are a lot of good translations out there. I'll just tell you some that I like. Uh, When I teach here on Sunday mornings, uh, I I read from the New International Version, sometimes called the NIV. I think it's pretty understandable, it's very accurate, so I teach from that. There's a, a newer version of the NIV called Today's New International Version, I've taught from that a few times here seems to be a pretty solid translation. If you're looking for something that's really understandable, I I like the New Living Translation. It's really easy to understand. Uh, Some people really like the message. I think that's a a good beginner place for some of you. But find something that you can can understand. Let's talk about a plan. A lot of people have what I would call the hit and miss plan. It's hit and miss on two levels. It's hit and miss on some days I do it and a lot of days I don't. But it's also hitting this in the sense that they just kind of open their Bible, you know, and one day it kind of falls open to Daniel. And so they read a few verses from Daniel and the next day they open the Bible up and then maybe it opens up to Matthew. So they read a couple verses from Matthew and the next day they're in the Psalms and they just bounce all over the place. And maybe if you do that, you think, you know, a lot of times it just doesn't make sense. I can't get the picture of the, the whole story. Well, that's because you're jumping around all over the place and and not reading it straight through. In fact, let me illustrate. I brought the April edition of Sports Illustrated. You know, Sports Illustrated really is a conglomeration of a bunch of different articles written by different people, and they combine it into one magazine. Imagine reading Sports Illustrated with a hit-and-miss style. It would go something like this. After months of buildup and speculation, pro football fans will finally find out this weekend who their team will select in the draft. Sociologist Harry Edwards, who has worked as a consultant for major pro sports leagues, says the late 49ers coach and executive Bill Walsh brought him into the board in the mid-1980s to develop tools such as personality testing that could help gauge whether a prospect would be a good fit for the 49ers. The world's most elegant cheerleaders take the court like a troop of ballerinas dressed simply in lilac tops and low-rise black pants for their role as arm candy to the star of this brief show. The iconic main attraction is decked out in telltale white bodysuit and has the familiar unswept hair. Now, does any of that make sense to you? No, because I just jumped around all over the magazine. Those articles were written with the intention that you'd read the the whole thing. You'd get the whole scope of what they're writing. And you know what an amazing thing? When guys sat down and wrote letters that are included in the Bible, they had this strange idea that we'd actually read them from beginning to end. And then we'd get the full picture of what they're trying to say. So let me suggest some ways that maybe you can get a broader scope of what the Bible's trying to say. The first plan I'd suggest, and as you leave today, there will be some people at the doors who uh, have some Bible reading plans, all these that I'm going to talk about that you could actually take with you and, and begin to try this week. The first one I'd suggest is the 21-day plan. And this would be for somebody who's really a very, at the very beginning level and just thinks, you know, the, the Bible's really overwhelming to me where would I get started? This 21-day plan takes you through the books of Luke and John, both of which tell the story of Jesus' life. And so if you want a, a very simple place to begin, you could start with this 21-day plan. A lot of people say 21 days will build a habit. I don't know if that's true, but I'd say give it a try and see what happens. A second plan that's on this list is called the 10-week the, uh, sampler plan. Now, sampler, not in the sense that it's the hit and miss and I only get little snippets and I never really understand what's going on, but it does take you through different portions of the Bible in such a way that you can begin to get the big picture. And the great thing about this 10-week plan is it's laid out in by weeks and not by days. And so if you happen to miss a day or two throughout the week, it's okay. You can just try to accomplish what they've given you for the whole seven days whenever you have time to sit down and read And Some days you may have more time, and other days less time. But you can, through the course of that week, cover everything they've given you and in 10 weeks get a real broad picture of the Bible. Maybe you want to just start with simply reading through the book of Proverbs. There are 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. And on our calendar, there are either 30 or 31 days in the month. So the book of Proverbs is very easy. You just pick it up and if tomorrow's September 15th. You turn to Proverbs 15 and you read through that chapter of the Proverbs. And if some of you are here saying, no, I... This whole thing about Jesus. I'm sort of struggling with that. I'm investigating, but I'm not quite ready to really trust in that whole thing. You know what? Proverbs is great wisdom from God that teaches you great things for life and never mentions Jesus. And so if you're at that point in life, start with Proverbs. Sit at God's feet that way. And let Him work in your life through Proverbs. Maybe you're thinking, I really want to get through the whole Bible at some point. Well, on this sheet, there is a one-year plan for reading through the Bible. And again, it's broken down by weeks, not days. And so it gives you a section of Scripture to read through over the course of a week. And if you follow the plan over the next year, you'll read all the way through the Bible. Now, I'll tell you what I do. My plan is that I sort of follow a one-year-through-the-Bible plan. But for me, it's too much every day. I guess I don't have a very big brain. I can't handle a whole lot at one time. And so for me, I've taken their plan and rather than trying to do it in one year, the way it's laid out in my journal, I'm doing it over really like three years. You know, because for me, it's not how quickly do I get through. You know, like I'm a champion or a better Christ follower if I get through it in a year. For me, it's what do I learn from it? How does it go from the pages of the Bible into my head and then into my heart? And for me, that means slowing down a little bit little smaller chunks and really letting it absorb into my life so that it makes a difference. I don't care what plan you choose, and maybe you've got your own plan that you'll come up with, but have a plan and begin to systematically work your way through the Bible and let the wisdom of what's there guide you on this journey. Now some of you may be saying, well, you know, I've been doing some of that already. You know, I'm already kind of in the habit of reading my Bible and I told you, that's my only goal. And so if you'll just do that, I will be thrilled. But for some of you, let me challenge you one step further. And that would be to consider not only re- just reading the Bible, but also having a journal. And I know some of you immediately go, oh, wait a minute, isn't like journaling? Isn't like, like for middle school girls? You know, they write all their feelings down in there. Yeah, I would, I, you know, maybe. I'm sorry, middle school girls. Didn't mean to slam on you, okay? I should have picked on elementary girls because they're not in here, right? I journal and my initial reaction when somebody years ago said to me, you ought to journal was exactly the same thing. I thought, I don't like to write. I'm not going to do that. When I journal, I don't write a ton, but what I'm doing when I journal for me is I'm, as I read the Bible, there are sometimes things that just jump right out at me, things about my life, wisdom for me. And I just jot those down, brief notes that will help me remember those things. And then occasionally I go back and look through my journal. In fact, you can see Here's my uh, journal from just a couple days ago on the 12th. That's all I wrote, if you can see that. Just three small paragraphs. Because there were three things as I was reading through Psalm 34 that just jumped off the page at me. There were things that I needed to think about for my life. And so I jotted those down. Now maybe for you, you do like to write and you'll write out a whole bunch more. And that's great. But for a lot of us, if you would just jot a few things down, because you know what will happen? When you make the effort to do more than just read, but you actually make the effort to write something down, it stays with you much longer. And it's part of that process of moving it from the page of the Bible into your head and into your heart and affecting your actions. Have a plan. You know, for a lot of you, you may think, well, you know, I, I read my Bible you a know, handful of times a year. I have, Which means over the course of the year, you have a handful of encounters with Jesus. Imagine if you were to read your Bible just once a week. You would go from just a small handful of encounters with Jesus to over 50 in the course of a year. Or suppose you took it one step farther and you read your Bible and spent time at the feet of Jesus just two times a week. You'd go to over a 100 encounters with Jesus. And imagine if you did it every day of the week. 365 times a year. You'd sit at the feet of Jesus. You'd have an encounter with Jesus where he could teach you something from the pages of the Bible that would guide you on your journey through life. In the story of the Wizard of Oz, you know, Dorothy, of course, is taken away by the tornado and finds herself in this land that she's never been to. And her one desire throughout the whole thing is just to to get back home to Kansas. And uh, towards the end of the movie, she meets the uh, good witch, Glinda, you know, who has that really funny voice. I'm the good witch. And, uh, they have this conversation, and basically the good witch says to her, you know, because of those red ruby shoes, you've had the power to get back home to Kansas all along. You know, you didn't need to hook up with the the scarecrow and the lion, and you didn't need to keep looking for this wizard who's really just a guy behind the curtain. This movie actually could have been a lot shorter. If you'd have realized a lot earlier, you've had the power all the time. You have God's power in this book, the Bible. God has given us His GPS to guide us on this journey. You have it. And yet for a lot of us, it sits idle on the shelf in the corner somewhere day after day after day. What could be different in your journey through life if you'd just take a few minutes, if you had a time and a place and a plan, and for a few minutes every day, you'd take out your Bible and you'd read it and you'd cultivate that relationship with Jesus, what could be different? What could happen? If you'd just simply do that every day, I know what would happen. On this journey of through life that we were on, you'd have some clear direction. You'd know where you were going and you'd know how to get there. Would you pray with me? God, I thank You for the Bible. God, I thank You for the way that it guides me every day on my journey. God, I pray for people in this room today that if this is not a habit in their life already, that beginning tomorrow, God, when they wake up, they would determine a time, a place, and a plan, and they begin to sit at the feet of Jesus every day, cultivating their relationship by reading from the Bible, And God, I pray that as they do that, they would discover so much about You. Their lives would truly be changed and they would have clear direction for the journey that we're on. Thank You for what You'll do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.